Okay, so before we get into the interview, I want to tell you a little bit about it and why I think it's just a really, really cool story. So I interview uh, my good friend, Johnny Moore. He's a member on that pitch, landed placements with us. He's just an awesome dude. And uh, when I was younger, um, I was in a bunch of hardcore bands. Uh, it was just great. I got to play a lot. Uh, he was actually in a pretty established hardcore band. Um, and uh, he's currently living out of Long Island. Um, we talked a lot about the remote music industry and why, hey, like if you got an internet connection, you can make it happen from wherever. Uh, he went to Musician, Musicians Institute out in LA, uh, did the hustle getting in bands as a bassist and realized he really enjoyed um, you know, making music for sync, making music for commercial usage. And he's just a great guy. So I, I learned a lot from him and I think you will too. Without further ado, here is my interview with Johnny Moore. Hope you have a good one. Welcome to the That Pitch Podcast. The That Pitch Podcast helps music producers and artists tap into the world of sync licensing, publishing, music business, and more. So if you are tired of trying to make it and you're more interested in making a living, then you are in the right place. The That Pitch Podcast is brought to you by thatpitch.com, the number one music licensing tool for producers and artists. I'm your host, Mark, the founder of thatpitch.com. Now let's get into the show. Johnny Moore. Johnny. What is up, Mark? <laughs> he's here. He's 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 ready to party. Uh, Always, dude. Okay, so last time we talked, uh, it was a welcome call because if any of you listening, if you become a that pitch member, you get to talk to me, beautiful me, for you know uh, a period of time that I could fit in. But we do talk, and it's a great time. It's a fucking party, and that was our last call. And now you're here on the other side in placement land. How does it feel being in placement land? Oh, I feel spectacular, man. Just a few short months ago, you know, that's kind of what set that pitch apart and prompted me to focus on these briefs. Just that conversation that we had, quick 15 man. minutes can really change a lot. So well, just I, really you know, knuckle down and here we are. Man, that makes me so happy. On it, like, I, I really, you know, maybe I should just stay off of Instagram more, but like, <laughs> I really feel like the industry... Uh, there's really great things happening in the industry, but there's also because of like social media, there's like this weird thing where people think they're celebs and they're not. And it's just mm -hmm. like this weird, like impersonal interaction. It's like, just take your money and run and like, just never give a shit ever. And like, Oh yeah. It's advanced I, egomania. No doubt about ridiculous. it. It's ridiculous. It's terrible. I will be the first to say there is nothing beneath me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Um, and, uh, yeah, I, you know, if somebody, you know, trusts my business with their money, like I want, I want to make sure we do a fucking great job and like, let's chat and make sure we fucking do it or else like, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm just going to make it happen or else I'm like going to say, no, 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 it's not the right fit, you know? So like, um, sure. I'm glad that you're kicking so much ass, uh, so early on. Happy to be. Yeah. Wow. So uh, where are you from? I want to go through your whole story because you're, you're landing shit left and right now. So let's, let's break it down where you came from music. Where are you from? How'd you get started? Everything. So it's so funny. A lot of the, the tent poles of my musical journey are topics that you quite frankly touch upon during your Instagram posts, which I appreciate because as a sync writer, you really can get in your own little bubble. It's kind of like a vacuum. So knowing that you are part of a community is huge because a lot of it is about the money grab, you know, and to know that there are people working for you, not 
against you, <laughs> you know, even if it's a library, a lot of times it's to serve their own business interests, right? It really means a lot. So I grew up on Long Island, you know, playing in a hardcore band. Long Island hardcore yeah. scene was my home for years and years. So I learned very early on as a bass player that it is not about you, <laughs> you know? So I feel like <laughs> the sync world... Dude. Right, right. So we're perfect for sync because we know that we're not front and center. Well, we're not the ones that have to have all the, you know, attention, you know, and it's good for us because now without the work you put in, you know, this can't happen. But we know that we're just a piece of it. And now like the bigger dude, picture, it's even yeah. more so. I grew up and it was like, you know, the, the rumors, the rumors, right? We're like, oh, you're a drummer in a band. Wow. Girls are going to be all over you. What really happened is after a show, I was sweaty fucking disgusting and i had to lug off a bunch of gear i was really thinking to myself does any girl want part of this i don't think so so i get it man same with but bases. here's the thing of, yeah <laughs> but here's the crazy thing though, about everybody and else drummers, everybody else and we play our part but we know how to be tasty right and we know how yeah. to serve a larger scope other than ourselves like right now it's not the whole about track Right. The whole track we put together, all these instruments, all these layers, it's still just to serve the picture and the emotion. Right. So I got that very early on, which I think is nice. But another thing that you mentioned about drummers and bass players that's funny is you hear, even in the industry, I hate the word, but like when you play in a band and you tour and you have people working with you, you know that there's money involved on a greater level, long-term game and all that. Yes. You always hear, oh, bass players and drummers, everyone needs you guys. Like, Guitar yeah. players, singers, dime a dozen. So I thought that when my last band stopped playing, I'd be able to go out to L.A. and find a gig as a bass player like that, you know? Right. And it was tough, man. I went to MI. I networked with a lot of people in Los Angeles. And you always say this. You don't need to be in a big city. I learned that pretty quickly that most of what was happening that was working for me was based around not trying to be a bass player for hire, but the tracks that I was creating. And these were companies that were located in Connecticut, Canada, Australia, you know, that were nowhere near LA and I didn't need to be there. So I came back to New right. York, you know, and here I am. I'm on Long Island. I'm not even in Manhattan. So I'm not in that, you it. know, the hub of the entertainment industry. I got, in yeah, dude, I got, I got family in Plainview, partners of mine in that pitch. They're in Jersey. Every time I'm in New York, I'm not in New York. I'm around New York, you know, <laughs> like when sure. I, la last time I lived there, I was in Crown Heights. And then I moved to Upper West Side, which is so fucking expensive no matter where I went. And all my friends, they're just like moving. It's like the circumference, you know, it's just yep. like they're, it's just nobody before actually being in the cool spots anymore. Uh, yeah, so especially now because like, you can work remotely. So everyone's going upstate, right. Albany, right. Syracuse, Ups Buffalo, where it's cheap exactly. to live and hang out, yeah. set up your home well, studio that, and bang away. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I think again, and I can't stress this enough is, you know, if you, I was thinking about this the other day. Um, so one of my buddies who is, uh, you know, just my biggest mentor in, in the industry. Um, he was talking to me, you know, about like people who grew up with blah, blah, blah. And then he sends me a picture hanging out, like, you know, it was late at night and it was him hanging out with Tony Maserati. Um, you know, no and way. then, um, uh, was it David Kahn who was like head Ooh. of Columbia, you know, they're just yeah. like hanging out and, I was like, what the fuck? I'm just like freaking out. And he's like, oh, what no, I just, I grew up. he was like, I grew up with these guys. Yeah, we, we go way back. They're fucking hilarious, you know? Um, wow. We get ribs. You know, I was like, and I was thinking to myself, you know, we hear about all these stories of like, you know, people that are older than us, like within the industry and like 
they grew up and they have like all these connections and stuff. And you're like, oh, mm-hmm. they grew up in the same neighborhood True. or they were in the same city, yep. blah, blah, blah. And you know, what's funny is I was thinking like of people that I know who I think are like well on their way and stuff. And it's, they're not in the same city. It's like, oh, I knew them through Instagram. Yeah, we, we DM'd each other on Instagram and we DM'd each other. Like we uh, found each other through YouTube. It's like, I feel like, you know, like uh, I'm not going to give Zuckerberg any compliments, but he did mm-hmm. talk about where uh, Facebook is like the, what is it? Like the, no, it's Twitter. No, never mind. I don't have to talk about it. Suck. Mm-hmm. Um, but like Twitter, it's like the, what is it? The community square or something like, yep. Uh, yep. you know, it's where the neighborhood comes, comes to me. And, you know, I was thinking about like modern day, you know, I live in Charlotte and I do have a great crew here. Like I love them. They're fucking awesome. But, um, you know, I also have great crews that I hang out with through Google me or through the phone or I fly and see them or whatever. And I'd say a lot of my best friends don't, don't live by, you know, by me. And I'd say most people at this point, they're really close contacts. Like, don't live, you know, five minutes down the road. So I feel like right, we're in right. a day and age where we're going to look back 20 or 30 years from now and say, you know, oh, yeah, man, yeah, he DM'd me on Instagram. Remember Instagram? Mm-hmm. You know, like, I can't go for that. And we're just, like, in a really, really cool time that I think people don't really zoom out and appreciate that you're building your neighborhood. Right? It's just virtual. Right. And that you used to build standard. it through. Yeah. You used to build it through going on tour, right. Handing out right. flyers, handing out like demo tapes. And it started in your town. You needed to pack your local venue before you could even think about going on tour. Now right. it's just all about meeting through these different channels. And it's funny, man, it's wild. You go to networking events for sync. I'm sure, you know, there are dozens of these now because everyone understands right. that you can monetize it. Um, and there are people mentors they're on their phones while there are people around them great Dude. composers people that work in media and they're still using their phones to network what's, so, what's fucking hilarious is everyone has told me like oh have you have you been to the sync event and they'll name like you know whatever five letter acronym that means some sort mm-hmm. of sync event in a far flung yep. city and i'm like no and they're like mm-hmm. how have you made all your contacts and i was like linkedin like <laughs> yeah being personable <laughs> right yeah i just like DM people directly and like nine times out of 10, they're like, wow, what's going on? And then we'll just chat. We have mutual friends. Then we just like become best buds. And then maybe two Mm -hmm. years later, we actually work together. If we do it all. A lot of times we do. Mm -hmm. And like, that's, it's not about that, you know, not always. It's not, it's just like being a good hang, meeting interesting people and like genuinely, you know, being a good person and just being stoked about what other people are about. And, you know, maybe working together makes sense. Maybe it doesn't, but who cares? Just like, be a good hang, you know? That's like, not the point. Right. So, like a lot of the guys I know from band world, I don't understand what they're doing now. They don't know what I'm doing now. Right. But, you know, who knows? They might be involved in sync on a completely different level just because they had an right. album track lying around so, that their publisher passed out, you know? Yeah. So they're like, oh, and then they think that's the standard of how all deals go. It's like, what the fuck are you doing? Yes. This is like <laughs> one of a thousand different ways this deal could happen, you know? Um, anyways, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. you were in the hardcore scene. You realized that, you know, you didn't have to be the center, like everybody else is what matters. So listen, um, so how did you, you know, cause a lot of people, they'll, they'll go out to LA and realize, oh, maybe this is like not necessarily the direction, but maybe there's an adjacent route that I love even more that I didn't even know about. What was that transition like? Was it tough during that time? I know when I 
really transitioned heavily from a drummer to a producer as like my main thing. And then subsequently producer to licensing, still producing, but like, I'd say most people know me as like licensing and publishing at this point. Um, mm. What was that, you know, career transition like? Was it stressful? It was for me. It was, um, but it was gradual, you know, because I'm the kind of yeah. person that tends to resist change. Like I held on Dude, to the sick. band as long as I could, you know, I was like, Bro, one more yeah. tour, one more record, maybe this will break us, you know, like maybe I'll be able to pay my rent if we keep doing, you know, tours of Europe for six weeks at right. a time and, right. <laughs> and not eating, you know, so. Um, it's, just, it's just a circus. You realize you're a carnival. You're going from town so, to town. <laughs> right. So the way it worked mentally for me was when I was in L.A. and I was um, taking some classes and I was going on auditions, I knew that at the end of the day, I wasn't going to have that control because in my band, I wrote lyrics, I wrote music. So I'm like, okay, when you're a hired gun, you have to chill. Like you're not bringing a riff to the table. So I started yeah. just going, cause I grew up in, in the eighties and nineties with like the Tascam four track. So I would Fuck just yeah. take yeah. my, my bass, which is my main instrument still to this day and just press play and record and just lay all these ideas down because at least I would get it out of my system so I could go on an audition and not worry about what was going on in here creatively. Cause it's not about that. Right. It's just about learning nope. a song and playing it. So that was months and months. And you know, it, over time I was like, maybe I don't want to play for this 13 year old pop star. That's going to be on Nickelodeon. You know, maybe I like what I'm doing recording wise here. And another hurdle for me was, can I learn how to program drums, learn a little bit about keys? Can I, pluck away notes on a guitar and it took time. I didn't show anyone anything for years, you know, even my roommates are like, what are you doing in there? Like I'm just, just putting some stuff together, you know, um, <laughs> I didn't know, I didn't know what to do with it. It was all just about the release and the outlet and just doing what was best for my career as a potential hired gun. Then I cut it off entirely when I started just working with a few people um, remotely that were working with artists that needed some tracks. And okay, cool. that was not for me at all. Like I had some demo vocalists come in and do some top line and then you know how it is, just how specific lyrics can be. And what well, it's the, also complete. The revisions and the needs are completely subjective to the room and how people are feeling. If somebody has a stomach ache, your take might as well. I've been in the toilet as well, you know, like, so right. it's like, you know, I, I remember I got hired for, this uh this gig and like you know studio etiquette is like you know if you're working with a singer like make sure they're in a good mood like don't put them in a bad mood unless like that's gonna somehow like feed for the take like mm. you know make sure that everything's calm and like people have candles and shit because you know uh, they know that the end product is subjective it can be convinced right you know like are they mm -hmm. stoked about it why because they're stoked about it and that's it so you know, you, you got to make sure that whatever gig you're in, you understand what's going on beneath what is tangibly going on, you know? Yep. And I knew people that produced like through my band, like, oh, give us some tracks. Like, we'll give you yeah. some money. We'll work with an artist. And like, well, what happens down the line? Cause I knew pretty early on that if you have an album cut, that's track 10 when no one's buying CDs and it's all about what's getting on playlists and getting on the radio, you're not going to see any trajectory from that. So right. I right. actually like instrumental music, you know, and I, I grew up enjoying a lot of soundtracks in the eighties. Like that's what we loved as kids, you know? Right. So I just was looking for a way to not be involved with prima donna vocalists or producers that just wanted to take my track, 
buried in the mix and make a ton of money off somebody that just wanted to pay for studio time. Like to me, it was right. unethical. I didn't enjoy it at all. Um, again, it wasn't about me, but it was about like, how can I serve a greater part of the industry? And that's yeah. how I learned about instrumental part of sync and it's like, okay, where can I fit in here? What can I do, you know, to be the best right. at this that I can? You know, you know, I had a similar kind of experience when, when getting like really heavy working at studios, you know, like charging hourly, booking at the studio and all this stuff. And you come to this realization and you're just like, this is a terrible fucking model. So like I, I, I changed it and I was like, I don't want to do hourly. I'm actually going to like charge per song, but yep. Yep. I'm going to have, uh, you know, what is included with a song production. So amount of revisions sure. and like all this stuff, it does not surpass these amount of days. So it's kind of like they were paying for the end product, but I had barriers to protect myself to make sure that it didn't just keep going on for a month, but they were happy. Right. Too. But you were also the producer. It's different as a third party. Oh, maker. I didn't that, like that I, at all. I was the myself. studio dude. I was the studio drummer for years and like, dude, I, Fuck man, like that's a <laughs> that's how I started in studios. Is I was hired as a studio drummer, like a session drummer. Mm -hmm. Yeah, if you can play with a click, man. Like, bro, the, great. the first time I ever got played, and keep in mind I'm Jewish. The first time I ever, I, the first time I ever got paid in the studio, I played um, drums on a um, oh my god, what is it? Like a, a steel drum Christmas album. Nice, Fucking awesome. Dude, paid seventy five dollars, dude. Big fucking deal. That's great. Let's keep going on. <laughs> Man, I love that sound. Yeah. And then, um, you know, so anyways, also, yeah. for years, I was always the guy listening to other stuff too, man. Like, right. I love dub. You know, I, I love like indie funk, you know. So it was pretty easy for me to transition into what these briefs calling for instrumentals were asking for, oh. as opposed to what the next, you know, I don't know, vocalists wanted like maybe like a Calvin Harris track or a Bruno Mars thing or Zed. Right. You know, that was like not what I was making. Less at all. trendy. It was, way, it was just, yeah. It was way more indie because I came from like, again, the Tascam Ford track world. Everything was always a little gritty. Everything was maybe a little retro because again, right. I was born in 1980. So, you know, that's just where I was coming from organically. Yeah. It wasn't a good fit for top 40 radio, but I'm looking at, briefs like i was a taxi member for years just seeing what they were throwing out there and so okay like if i can get in with libraries that are going to feed me briefs like this i can write to these specs no big deal and i would write a lot more you know that's wild man yeah i mean yeah. You, you kind of realize like when i think you probably went through this uh experience where you had a realization where music can also be a utility and when you're working on a track, you have to realize, is this track for me or is this track for them? And right. when you're making it for them, you need to back the fuck off, you know? Like, mm -hmm. you can't yep. let yourself get in the way of, like, what would I think is cool versus, like, you know, it's like Rick Rubin. He always says he's not a producer. He's just their audience. He, mm -hmm. he, he helps them write Absolutely. what he thinks their audience wants. Which is you know? funny because he plays with one of the most bombastic bass players in Flea. Like, they're like best buds. And I <laughs> right. had to tell myself, look, you are not Flea. Like, you're not going to write slap bass lines for anything ever. Not in hardcore, right. not in sync, you know? And it's funny because you can go down that rabbit hole too, right, on YouTube of these guys that know extended chord changes and the modes and stuff. And it's like, man, yeah. I just want to create a vibe 
and I want to have something that fits the picture because I like so much of what right. we set to picture. So, so what were like some kind of early ways where you like discovered sync and like how you got into it first experiences sort of stuff. And then, you know, maybe, uh, cause you said you've been active at it for, you know, a bit, like how have things yeah. kind of changed and like, you know, cause I, my whole thing is like, everything's democratized, it's remote and the creator economy is blowing the fuck up. So like, let's just go, mm -hmm. but like, what have like, you I like of, that like, been too. noticing? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. In the modern world, I like that as the next stage for me because I was always in, you know, the band's band, like whether or not right. like the crowd or the audience band's that maybe band. was going to see the <laughs> pop punk band wanted to watch the heavy band, all the guys in the band would love us because we'd be that band that yeah. could kind of This is up, fucking right? sick. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I like running around on stage too. So I kind of try to bring that to what I'm doing now. Like, that's cool. feel something if I'm creating it. And I always visualize and execute. Like I never make a track without trying to see in my mind's eye where this could fit. It's never about like, oh, I have this cool baseline. So let me just put a bunch of stuff around it. Now, I do make sure that I set myself apart by not using 808s. Like it's all live bass and everything that I do, even if That's I cool. layer it with a synth bass, you know, just to set myself apart because I'm not trying to be the guy on arcade either. Just like, taking pre-existing loops right. and stuff and just saying, this is, this is what I have. Well, if you, if you take just pre-existing loops, if, if you just take loops and that's all it is, like you're, you're going to have compliance issues anyway. So it's like, it's good right. that like you're, but, yeah. So it's, so I still it's think about it like, like a musician. Yeah. Like a musician. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. You know, that's still primary, you know, goal. Number one is to come across as someone that wants to convey that emotion. Just, for someone else that's editing or, or music supervising and putting things together. Yeah. So I was just blind submitting to libraries for a long time. Um, got accepted, got some placements on reality TV and it was, it was awesome. great. I liked it. Um, and then 2020 happened and my libraries again, because my sound was a little more niche, a little more indie, they were boutique libraries. They vanished off the face of the map. I think we talked about this really? on our info oh, call. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Like, and I'm starting to get emails because like, I'm following up. I'm a decent communicator. I'm like, hey, what's going on? I got a bunch of new music. I've been writing. I've been in lockdown. What's going on? Let's do this. And I'm getting emails back from library owners saying, yeah, I'm doing this whole um, like home renovation, flipping houses venture now. I'm not really touching the library. Oh. And man, like I was writing this stuff for you guys thinking because I always think of my libraries as exclusive. I don't do the non-exclusive, sending the same track, retitling. It, it gets the messy. not the so, not exclusive. Yeah, it's, it's the whole like retitling and sending it to multiple places. I have no idea how that's not illegal, but keep going. <laughs> like, yeah, it, it really does cause a mess. I, I've heard a lot just by you know watching stuff on YouTube and yeah. Going for for and anybody stuff. listening, there's a thing that you can technically do that I think it was like really popular like five ten years ago, where there's like multiple music libraries and they all need stuff exclusively because they need to exclusively represent it legally for various reasons. A bunch of artists and producers just started like, uh, because the way that you would register it is through the name. So they would mm -hmm. just There's change no the name and it would be the same exact song audio wise, but like they would just change the name and then send it to a new place. And so what ended up happening, these companies would license it and then they would get a claim by somebody else. And then it would come mm -hmm. back on the artist and it's like, yo, you just double dipped. Like that's, how the fuck is that not illegal? I don't know. I, I don't do that. Like I, I've been asked I don't do it either. times before, but like, I'm like, there's something up. I don't know how this is going to work. Anyways, 
Yeah, going. ask Kathy and Meyer. Right. It's all going to get very messy, you know. When yeah, when yeah, that. yeah. So, Anyways, keep so going. I was, so I was writing, thinking of it as exclusive, and libraries just really weren't pushing music right. anymore, you know. And then the brief started trickling back in. But again, I'm not the kind of guy that's going to start doing like drumline instrumentals. <laughs> like, sure, it's not sure. my my bag, you know. I want to keep it rock and and indie electronica. That's that's what I do. Um, so I was like, okay, I don't know, you know. And this was again for for TV. And my goal was always make it in TV, make it in advertising eventually, if you can get to that apex. But um, this new content creation model seems perfect. Because again, like I feel like my music resonates most with people that are creatives because it, it has that that vibe and it's not trying to draw too much attention to itself. It's more just about that that groove and, and more about how it how it thumps than just, you know, these ear candies, things yeah. like that, you know. So- so a big thing that, um, you know, kind of like a side conversation on what you're talking about is, yeah, in early 2020, a lot of these boutique libraries that, you know, didn't really have uh, newer models, they were kind of just like doing old school, kind of like, hey, it's in our library, but we're going to exclusively represent it. And it's like all these big deals and blah, blah, blah. They would have like massive catalogs of people's stuff. People would sign it over and, you know, they... Uh, when they went under, like, what the fuck happened to the music? You know, so like, that's something that I took upon myself. I was like, this is a ticking time bomb waiting to fucking happen for all of my friends. So just as clarification to you and anybody listening, the way that pitch works with any of our licensing clients is we have full financials of what they're doing and an understanding of like, hey, where is the business at? Um, Mm -hmm. and what is kind of the long-term thing here? What are you currently going off of? And, um, we have certain metrics that we have to have, um, in order for me to accept working with them. Uh, additionally, Mm -hmm. um, you know, if companies were, uh, there's a number of clients that we've taken on recently where we actually have a deal put in place. If they, for whatever reason, were to go out of business and something was signed over, um, if they go under and they're no longer monetizing that material and it's just, it's done, like the site's off, whatever, um, the song will act, the rights will actually be reverted back to you. Um, because oh, nice. like, I, yeah, I want to make sure that that never happens. Because, dude, you got fucked over early 2020. How much does that suck? They're redoing their kitchen and you're like, what are you doing with my music? Nothing. I, can I even get Nothing. it back? Like, what can I do with it? it sucks. Nothing. Terrible. It's yeah. so unethical. Yeah. I hate it. Yeah, I uh, I had a few tracks signed to Getty Images Music too that just dissolved. They said, you know what, the tracks that we want to give to other libraries, which remain unnamed, they're just going to go there. Your stuff may or may not. So I'm just watching my ASCAP statements to see if they did anything with my music. And that, to me, was a big deal. I'm like, oh, Getty, that's a huge company. They tried it out, tried to play the game in, in licensing, didn't work out, and now it, it's done. So. You know, I'm in this for the long haul. You know, I've been trying to hone my skills for a while, trying to write the best music that I can. And I just need that commitment on the other side of the table. Yep. Which we do. So, yeah, that's it. That's why it's exciting. Yeah, it's we're the, you know, first time in history where, like, you know, uh, not only are there more buyers than suppliers within the music industry, there are more YouTubers and filmmakers than there are music makers. But also... Uh, for that pitch, you know, we are the first ever uh, company where it's like, hey, it's literally like it's up to the producers and artists what they charge. And like, you know, the 
it's it's just a way more ethical thing. Everyone gets paid 100%. And I designed it because I got fucked over in deals before. And mm-hmm. it's just like, how do we... I, I genuinely don't think people are malicious in this industry. I think there's just a model that worked in the 80s. It did make sense at that time. And it just kept going. But like, if you look at it today, it's like, well, why would you do that? Honestly, it's a terrible <laughs> business model doing it that way. Like it makes no financial sense. So I was just like, why can't we just like kind of flip it on its head and like give everybody right. more power here? So and it's really um, logic too. Like there was time when people didn't want their songs to be in commercials or TV. It was looked at as yeah. like, you know, faux pas. If you're, oh, you have your song in like a Sprite commercial, man. Like now for yeah. many guys that make music and, and gals that are out there trying to grind it, that's the dream, yeah. you know? Because well, I think also- Because you're not selling records, yeah. right? Yeah, so I think like also back then, it was a little bit different because I think brands didn't, they weren't very empathetic to artists. They, they wanted like Megadeth to write a song about how they love bubbles and Sprite and it's super carbonated and sweet. Like, <laughs> right. Like they, they weren't empathetic to like, about it. yeah, they were, yeah, they weren't reading the room of like, what's the fan base here? Like, right. You know, they, they, it's just, I, th- I think now again, because it's so democratized, people have a little bit more choice. But also, I think there's a, you know, back in the day, if you were an artist, you were just like looked at as like a god, if you're a successful artist. Now, it's like, I think there's a lot more understanding of behind the scenes being in the music industry than there was before. Mm-hmm. And people realize, oh, like, yeah. oh, like, yo, no, like, they, they shouldn't be doing this because that would mess up their career. Like, we should, maybe we can kind of meet in the middle on this one and see how we can figure something out. Like, I think right. that's there's just more leverage from music makers as a whole, I think at this point, because we're not as dependent on major labels um, as before. Mm-hmm. And there's just like a lot more opportunity for that. So that's right. amazing. And the field is, the field is level too. Like a guy on Instagram that's, you know, riding a skateboard, drinking, you know, ocean spray has just as yeah. much clout as like the artist that's showing you behind the scenes and how he makes a track. Right. No one cares about that. There's no behind the curtain and stuff. It's all just out there. So and it's funny because that really aligns with my philosophy, which is just make music that people can relate to and people just enjoy and gives them like some type of emotion, whether it's positive or sometimes negative, you know, just have them identify yeah. with what they're thinking. So and just make a the level lot playing of so it helps. Just yeah. make a lot of it too. Like, but that's the thing. Everybody... That's why the retired only thing happened because of the numbers game. But yeah. there was also a time where there wasn't a lot of music to go around. So you could get away with it. Now True. people know the name. True. People know who you are. You're not going to get away with that now. Yeah. Also, when it was really popular, it still wasn't it, it wasn't the standard that most music was coming out of home studios. The standard was still you rent out a studio for a day rate and then cut something. Mm-hmm. So I can I'm try to get the most out of that stuff. <laughs> yeah. It was just kind of like, Hey, they require exclusive. They're not going to give us any guarantee. We have to sign this forever. Well, like, do they know how much it costs to make a record? You know, mm-hmm. back then it, it costs a lot. Now you got a fucking laptop, Ableton light, and you get a, you know, a MIDI keyboard for 99 bucks, you can make a, a, a decent track. Is, Absolutely. You know, like that, and that's, that's the thing. It's like, you know, you can learn how to do it yourself. You can make uh, something good. And uh, yeah, it's just, it's and not as rare as it was. Yeah, that's it. So right. um, anyways, what, um, you know, as far as like music that you're making now, what has been your primary focus in kind of like your your strategy towards music 
Because again, wait, so you landed this track, but you also landed four more? Yeah. Yeah, September was a big month. Once I, I focused on that brief B, which I've been calling the, the baby, brief B, yeah. lo-fi, <laughs> like that's just baby right in, in my lane. You know, like I, my intro to sync was this kind of indie, electronic, almost postal service-y kind of stuff. Um, sure. And I've always loved dub, you know, so now with the psychedelia that's going on and how that all kind of can fit into lo-fi and how broad the genre is, when I yeah. saw that, I was like, okay, I got to focus on this really bear down and make as much of this as I can. And September was a, was a good month, man. That's fucking awesome, dude. I'm stoked for you. That, that makes me so happy, especially again, since last time we chatted, it was like, Hey, welcome to that pitch. And it's like, Hey, you're killing it with that bitch. Great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because it was a nice marriage of where my headspace was in terms of what I was creating and where the demand was. Cause I, I mean, I feel for people, you know, that right music that just might not be a good fit. And I haven't really had to mold myself into someone I don't want to be. And it just so happened. And again, it's not always going to happen that way, but I'm riding the wave right now. And it, it feels great, especially because, you know, with lo-fi tracks, you can have some cool bass lines. It doesn't have to sound like it came from a studio where you cost, yeah. you know, like hourly or per song millions of, of dollars. Right. It's just got to have that vibe and that feel and, and be done well. Not to say that it doesn't take a lot of effort and you really have to sculpt your sounds and, you know, and at the same time, you don't have to sound like anybody else. That's, I can't do that. Sound I like try to do that, you know? So just trying to find my own sound has been what I've been striving for. And it fits in this case, which is what I'm very yeah. grateful for. Well, there, there's a good piece of advice. My buddy, uh, Johnny Fung gave me years ago and he was like, don't, make something like, cause we were talking about like tracks that I was working on and he was like, you know, don't do something that's cool. Do something that's second nature because what you think is cool is not going to be cool here. From now. But what's second nature, you're always just going to do. So you'll get really good at it. So just do like what comes naturally to you and just stick with it. Right. You know, but that's the thing. You so. have to have it in your heart that you want to do this long term. I know yes. some people, they just want to get that quick hit, the in and out. Um, but for me, I do this cause I love it. You know, and I yeah. hope that someone likes the music, wants to place it, an editor thinks it's a good fit, but that's almost yeah. secondary to just me having it on my hard drive and saying, this and is my contribution. Yeah. Everybody I know who their entire goal is like to be famous and you, you know, like you'll, you'll see them bounce around from music to, you know, acting to modeling to all this stuff. And you know, there's some people that are genuinely like in it for art and like they, they just love all aspects of art, but some people it's just like, all right, I know the hustle. They're just trying to get famous. Like, I get it. Cool. I respect it. Just, just yeah, good for them. Know, you know, <laughs> like, sure, sure. Good for them. But, um, but the thing is, you know, and I'd love to be proven wrong, but everybody I know who has gone in that direction hasn't achieved what they've been after. And everybody I know who just kind of like stays put, works hard and networks a lot and does a lot of favors for a lot of people, they end up in a great position. You know, it's, mm -hmm. It's a lot less sexy when you when you kind of break it down. It's just like do good work, do a lot of it, meet a lot of fucking people, and do a lot of fucking favors. Uh, look cool and don't be on drugs, and you'll probably move forward. You know, that's right. that's about it. And that all circles back to why I got involved in playing in bands to begin with. I used to play yep. in other bands' demos or fill in when a guy couldn't make it. You know, like all the time at shows. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, it's so it's kind it. of the same concept now. You know, is why I picked the bass and yep. why I was that guy to help out on Long Island for, for years. And now I'm just kind of trying to expand that, you know, in the sync okay. world. Well, let's listen to this track. Um, and then I'll kind of break down some stuff on it. Again, you want, you uh, landed like 
five uh, with this batch. So uh, we'll go through this one and uh, kind of break that down. And then uh, I'll ask sure. you, I want some advice from you and then uh, we'll, we'll probably wrap it up. All right. Sounds good for me. Uh... All right. Here is your track and it is called Low Peaks. Here we go. great dude i love how simple it was um you know the it's it's interesting the lead part kind of came in and out it was a just like a nice pleasant motif it wasn't trying to derive too much attention um you know as we talked about you being a bassist is like hey let's not have too much attention here just keep it a good vibe um yeah overall it was just very simplistic and like all of the attention uh, keeping things didn't require too much attention, if that makes any sense. Um, yeah, usually it, just, they it was all in the pocket. It was all in the pocket. Yeah. yeah. So that's the way I think about things. And sometimes it gets me into trouble because there might not be a ton of melodic development. Like there might not be a big arc to it. And that's just not how I write, man. That's why I think lo-fi is yeah. good for me too, because tempos aren't changing. It's not super dramatic. Um, the bass can kind of, like you said, lay in that pocket, good groove. And there's tons of stuff kind of coming in and out too. Um, the melodic ideas are very straightforward just because that's how my mind works. So I feel like yeah. when it's the right fit, it's like money, but it might not be for everybody because it's not super right, easy, right. You know? Well, dude, I, I loved it. Um, and I'm sure all of the four others, if we listen to those, it would probably be a similar thing since you have like such a specific style. It's, it's really cool, man. I really love what, what you're uh, putting into the catalog recently, like into that pitch, like for our clients. Like it's, it's just, it's really cool, man. 
Like I'm really thank you, man. That you joined. You're you're the man. Um, no, anyways, I appreciate it, man. That means a lot. Um, so I, I want I ask these two things uh, before you know we sum up any interview. One, what advice would you give to anybody pursuing a career in music? Um, and then two, do you have any pluggables for people to go and see what you're up to? All right. So I think we kind of touched on the most important one, which is yeah. in sync. It's not about you or any area of music, especially nowadays, where sometimes the more you try to stand out, the more you just seem like every, <laughs> you know, influencer yeah. that that's out there. Um, and I'd say it's hard because you can't tell a human being find who you are. It's got to happen organically. So I always say just put in the time, you know, the, the 10,000 hours, whether it's playing along to records that you love on one instrument and saying like, this is what makes you feel good. And this is developing my own chops, whether it's that or listening yeah. to all different kinds of music to say, okay, this is what's going to influence what comes out at the end of the day. If it's a keyboard part that you love, if it's the groove of the drums, if it's the whole big picture of it, like, you know, just in some way, without forcing it, develop your own sound. And then I think, you know, opportunities will come, whether it's playing in a band to get on tour and see the world, whether it's getting syncs, you know, and, and you have to be able to take direction, but don't let anyone take you off of your path because that'll happen a lot too. Like I said before, I get feedback from people all the time, not all the time. I shouldn't say that makes me sound <laughs> awful, but you know, like maybe develop this a little more melodically, maybe change this up, change that up. And I'm, instead of changing what's already in my catalog, I take that advice and I kind of internalize it for the next track I'm making. So yeah, it might come out in other ways, but I don't change I am, you know, because I have yeah. a lot of songs and I feel like they're all going to have their, their place at some point. And, you know, it's the Pareto principle too, right? Like only 20% of your overall output is going to drive that, that income that you're, yeah. you're seeking. And, you know, whether I'm ever full time, it's not about that. It's about, again, my contribution, every show that I've had music in, <laughs> honestly, I don't even go back and watch it. I'm just like, oh, I'm glad that that worked out for them. I'd rather spend yeah. my time making more music, developing my brand, yeah. my sonic personality, going from there. Um, but Love the it. fact that there is a place for it, that's inspiring enough to keep me going. And I take any feedback I get and I use it to, you know, like as a critique, but also as positive, constructive criticism, no matter what. Hell yeah, dude. Um, yeah. And where can people find you online? What do, what do you got going on? Anywhere they can reach out? So... I'm on Instagram a lot because I see like the reels and I listen to the music that's out there. That's how Lo-Fi really got on my radar was oh, like, yeah. when TikTok videos get converted over to Instagram reels and you'll just see them. Yep. It's like, oh, oh I see, like yeah. that. And then you go on Spotify and then you'll see playlists. So I'm X Johnny Moore X on Instagram. That's my number one. Um, if you want to get in contact with me and you know, you can start relationships that like we were saying earlier, like that's kind of where it's at. And I don't know what the next, next platform is going to be, but right now that's, that's where I'm at. Oh, yeah. Johnny, you're the shit. Thank you so much. You are the shit. Uh, Thank you, man. Oh, like, th I think this platform is amazing. I love the way you guys go about doing things. The communication and the transparency is not there throughout this industry. You know, and there are some great resources out there, too. Um, but I really appreciate just you taking the time. You know, and also, like, a lot of times, even when there's successes, 
people don't like to talk about it. It all stays hidden. It's all that right. kind of mystery. Like, I love that it's all out there on Front Street. If you ever need me to even talk to somebody one-on-one or get like, a little more granular about certain aspects yeah. of making tracks or how we go about our daily, you know, producer lives, like, I'm on board. I love that. Dude, you're the show. best. Well, that, that's the thing. Thanks, I think I think people in, in music are scared to talk about their successes because they think they're bragging. And I'm just like, this is a career. If you want it to be a career, people need to know that you're doing this professionally. And the best right. way to get more work is for them to know you're already doing good work. You know? Absolutely. And, I've had plenty of failures too. I'll talk about those as well. Bro, <laughs> you know? I, if, it's all part if, of life. If I, talk, if I talked about my failures, I don't think we could fit it in, in, uh, in a single recording. So <laughs> my laptop will run here, out man. of storage. So anyways, dude, Same thank here. you so much. Um, and yeah, man, we'll talk soon.